You're listening to Pastor Standing Firm. I am your host today, Pastor Brian Bauer. Today we are talking with Chris Burkle, a uh, Forbes featured financial firm owner, also fiduciary, also listed in the U.S. News and World Report, and numerous others, and one of my best friends from Bible college as well. A great guy, excited to have him. We're going to be talking about kingdom stewardship living ministry in the marketplace and more, and the whole idea of what has the megachurch done to us. Woohoo! Let's get rolling. Chris, hey, what's Brian. up, man? Hey, man. How are you? I'm uh, doing great, man. It's good to, good to be here. Good to talk with you as always. Thanks for having me. Man, thanks so much for being on today. Uh, we were talking this morning. I'm like, man, hey, you got to help me. You got to help me. Uh, do this podcast today, and uh, I reached out because um, Chris has been blessed with a lot of success over the years and opinions, both of those things. I'm super excited, um, <laughs> but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris? Where are you from? Are you married? you have kids? Uh, what exactly you do? All that good stuff. Um. Yeah, well, so I, I grew up in in a suburb of, of St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and um, I uh, was going to go into business with my dad and it felt like I was being called to the ministry instead. So I ended up going to Bible school where I met you, my friend, and um, God did some really cool things in my life, breaking down a lot of the preconceived ideas that I had about you know, the church and building up a foundation of truth and um, felt like I was being called to vocational ministry. And then I met my wife at, at Bible school uh, when we were doing the youth camp, uh, YFN, I think, um, on the in the summertime. And uh, um, somewhere along the way, felt like God was calling me back into the uh, business world, financial world. And uh, so I've been here ever since, and, and really this is my ministry. Yeah. This is uh, what I do. Well, I remember the moment in Bible college. I remember you being there, and even then, I think I think if I'm not revealing too much, you were selling Nest videos <laughs> for anybody who's been in the church oh, for, more than, for more than 15 years. Nest videos were these cartoons, um, these Christian cartoons of like the stories of the Gospels put to cartoon, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> that's right. Oh my gosh, man! And, I can't believe. Uh, yeah, Chris, I right. think as a student twenty years ago, part time selling Nest videos over the phone was making what I'm making now <laughs> <laughs> in ministry. So, you know, they they not only did the uh, the Bible videos, but they put out the Swan Princess, like oh. which was kind of like the Disney alternative at the t- at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was, I was doing that and, and, uh, working because I had met, uh, my wife, Casey and mm-hmm. I was, she lived in Edmond, Oklahoma at the time. And so I was doing a, uh, long distance relationship as we were courting and, um, you know, knew that, that we were going to marry, uh, get married. And, um, uh, my, my SUV, uh, actually blew up. Ah, and yes. if you remember Chad and Wally, you know, uh, are, you know, well, you know them, right? Chad and Wally. I anyway, do. they, uh, decided they're like, yeah, we can fix your car. No problem. Well, 
couple months later found that that the engine was in in just complete disarray and actually in pieces literally so I was like well I don't have a vehicle so I was borrowing people's vehicles to go see Casey in Edmond and uh, had to have money to do that so well long story short yeah that's entertainment man that's <laughs> a blast and, from and- past and I remember also there was a moment where you were prophesied over at Cars for the Nations and somebody saying you were called to minister in the marketplace. And that moment yeah. just God kind of wrecking you in a really good way, you know, where you were just touched and you were, and you've always been that way. You've always been somebody who could make money in whatever field you were in, but yet do it with integrity and honor and be a giver. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I certainly, um, have a, a list of, of mistakes there, but I've always tried to, to put the Lord first. And, um, yeah, I mean, my wife will tell you, uh, I've got lots of mistakes, <laughs> but I could um, tell them too. I've been, there. <laughs> but right. that being said, you uh, could return the favor. We live together. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. A long that's time, right. a long time ago. I remember bumming quite a few Taco Bell meals off you. Um, <laughs> we had a good time. Mm-hmm. For sure. Good times. Good times. Um, so but, you felt called. And so what is exactly you do now? Yeah, so so now I I own a um, a financial firm, uh, an agency where kind of uh, full service in terms of you know we have a CPA and I'm an estate attorney and I'm you know an investment advisor, financial advisor, fiduciary, and and so really our area of expertise is in retirement planning, and so um, but that's not. You know, it, it's always funny when people ask me that question. It's like, what do you do? And it's like, well, this is, uh, it is, it is what I do and not who I am. And, and so I've always, that moment you were talking about at Bible school where I felt like the Lord really broke me down, um, was just this time where it was kind of, you know, how am I going to know him and make him known? And I thought the only way to do that was actually going into full-time, you know, uh, ministry, uh, vocational ministry. Right, because and, the kingdom doesn't advance except by way of people who collect a paycheck from a church, right? <laughs> Opening up the can of worms early, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's all we but, do on this podcast, bro. Yeah. Well, and, and I would say, I mean, you know... Um, you know, collecting a paycheck. And then, I mean, you, you, from my view, you actually look like you have more time off. You're not really doing much, right? I mean, uh, the you know, week, the it's truth, like... it's really true. We just work the one day a week <laughs> and then, uh, and then the rest, um, we pray a lot. That's what is, which is important, but no, yeah, no. Well, I that, mean, that, what that, that's it's... where I come in. I, I need prayer. So yeah. that's where I, I lean on you, buddy. Right. Well, it takes a lot of fasting and prayer to cast the demons off you, bro. So, <laughs> So you get called into the marketplace and then how does that work out? How do you, how do you live ministry in the marketplace? And you do, you live a full calling. Maybe, maybe we should back up a little bit and let's just say Chris has served the Lord faithfully for a lot of years, but you've had some, some up and down years. And even more recently, the truth is you were in a major mega church that if we said the name, everybody would know it. I'm not going to say yeah. it, but um, 
because we're not trying to throw everybody under the bus here, but tell us that story and, and how God, you know, kind of wrecked you all over again and what you're doing now. Man, that's a great question. Um, there's so much I could say on this topic. Um, but I would say that, um, you know, I guess you kind of get to a point where, uh, or at least I did, where I, I reached um, what I would consider kind of a, a worldly uh, level of success. I hit a lot of my own personal goals, and it was just kind of like, all right, well, what else is there, Lord? Like, what am I really supposed to be doing? Is that what you're really wanting me to do? Just that I that I can now be in this business and 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 make a bunch of money and you know have a have you know be able to go on vacations with my family is that really what you've called me to do and through that journey um and, and you and I know that the answer and I, what I've come to is obviously that's not the case that's not what God has called me to but I did go through that time and part of that was being comfortable at the church I didn't know that at the time and so what happened was is really I just fell asleep and I didn't know it then I thought I was you know, serving, I was, and well, and I was. Um, Can you tell you know, me what, what does that mean that at the church that you're serving at, you fell asleep? So I just, it, it became more of a popularity um, uh, thing and a, a culture-driven experience than, uh, well, so let me back up. Basically, my view is, and, and I know people can disagree with me, and that's fine. And I, I I love healthy discussion, as you know. But, you know, the seeker-sensitive church, um, I think, was the answer to, you know, old rules and regulations and legalistic attitudes and all of these things that kind of felt people would come into the church and they would, would feel condemned. And so kind of leave it to humanity to screw that up, right? So we kind of spin the pendulum or swing the pendulum to the other side and our humanity's answer, good heart motive, good intentions, but our humanity's answer to that is, well, let's go create kind of a seeker sensitive model where really we're going to align ourselves more with culture. We're going to use a lot of the things that are available to us to go, you know, use that as a vehicle for the gospel to be, you know, to reach individuals, to reach the unchurched, to be more of an evangelistic church. And on the surface, all of that sounds pretty good. Um, The problem with that is that 25 years ago, culture wasn't where it is today. And culture, as you know, is getting further and further away from the word of God. And so now it's really put people in a hard spot where they've got to decide, do I want to align with culture or do I want to align with what God's word says and look at the world through a biblical lens? And so that's what I mean for me when I say that I fell asleep. I, I got wrapped up in that kind of feel-good, culture-driven church with more maybe motivational leadership messages with a few Bible verses sprinkled in, and um, that's not um, that's not what the Lord has called me to be, or or called us as the church to even be. What was the revelation moment that says? Oh my gosh, like I am not, I'm not walking with the Lord passionately. I'm not leading my family. You know, I'm just, like you said, I'm just making money and going to church, but I'm not, 
I'm not in a passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. What was that moment? What did it look like? Well, I think for me, it was several things. Um, It started with, you know, when my my son was born and and, um, had to have open heart surgery and certain things. And I, I mean, shame on me. God forgive me. I've had lots of conversations with him about this, but at the time was thinking, God, I've done all these things for you. I'm, I'm serving you. I'm, I'm doing what I, I believe, you know, you want me to do. And how could this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, is this, is this how you repay your kids? And, and I, even as these words are coming out of my mouth, feel embarrassed and, and hate that I had those feelings. But if I'm really honest with myself, that's, that's what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I got angry at God. And, um, that was kind of a, a path for me, um, to, um, walk what I would call walking away from the Lord. And, uh, I mean, you know, I still prayed at meals and, you know, checked off the boxes, my dutiful, uh, Christian responsibility and read, you know, my kids Bible stories at bedtime and things like that. But man, I was not being a spiritual leader for my family. I was not walking with the Lord the way that I needed to. And it just kind of came to a head with everything that was happening in the country and all these things and going, wait a minute, how, how are these Christians viewing things like this? And just kind of God woke me up. And, and I remember that next Friday night, I sat my kids down and my wife in the living room and I said, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I have not been the spiritual leader that I needed to be and no longer. I will not be asleep. And that I think was the moment that the Lord woke me up and reminded me that he's got, he's got a bigger plan for us to help advance his kingdom. Wow. Wow. What was their response to that? What were they, were they like, Hey, uh, I don't see you asleep, dad. Were they grateful? Were they? Well, you know, there were, uh, there were some tears. I'd be kidding if I uh, didn't tell, if I said those weren't from me, (laughs) but, um, you know, their response was, uh, awesome. I, I didn't, um, maybe give them enough credit, I guess, in the sense that I I was getting too wrapped up with, you know, man, how are they going to take this? What are we going to do? Am I going to take them away from this, uh, you know, comfortable place where they feel plugged in and all that. But man, God really showed up and they responded in such a positive way. They're like, yeah, we're, we're going to essentially, we're going to follow you Dad. you're the leader Mm -hmm. and we trust you. We're going to follow you. And, um, they've, I mean, they've been with me following me and, and, uh, knowing that my heart is to be where the Lord wants us to be. And so, uh, it's been a really cool, cool time for our family also. So then you found, like a Bible-centric church, right? Pretty small, average-sized church, right? Under 200, something like that. And yeah, you're on the worship team, and you're serving, and you're digging into the Word, and you're leading your family. What's that been like now with your family compared to before? Um, it was, uh, well, and actually, before we got to that place where God really wanted us, uh, it was a little bit of a journey to find the right the right place, and I think that anybody that's gone through that that kind of church hopping, searching for the for the right church where they can call home, um, is is challenging. Um, 
and you know, for me, it's like, I don't, I don't care. We know that it's not the building. We just, we need to get it in, in a good place with good fellowship with people that, that, that want to really dive into God's word where we can have that, that, that fellowship of ironing, sharpening iron and, and being encouraged and walking and doing life together with our, all of our eyes. Yes, we're all imperfect, but man, everybody's eyes focused on the Lord. And that was the, the, the journey that was difficult. And, um, so we went to several, you know, different places. And, um, finally a buddy of mine said, Hey, come check out this Bible study. And, uh, you know, I kind of gave my excuses cause it's like started at six 30 on Friday mornings, which was my day off. <laughs> gave every excuse I could. But then finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to go. And, um, so I loved it. And in fact, it was so deep. The, the, the pastor there is so gifted. God, God's anointed him to really teach the word in such an awesome way. And, um, uh, I thought it was, cause it was so in depth. I thought I came in on like a, a series that had been going on for a long time. And, uh, so I kind of put it on the shelf. I was like, Hey, that was really great, but I'm going to go maybe when they jump on the next series or whatever. Little did I know that that wasn't actually a series later uh, to find out that that was actually just every Friday morning, um, just really in depth getting into the word. And uh, so I kept that journey of jumping around different churches. And finally, I went back to my friend who invited me because he's he has a non for profit uh, organization about, you know, with mentoring couples and uh, preparing them for their life of marriage. And, and he goes around and meets with all of these different pastors for funding and talking about his ministry. So I said, Hey, if, if he can't tell me about a church, if, you know, cause he's got his pulse on so many, if he can't give me a good, good direction, I, I don't know, you know, um, what, what we're going to do. So I called him up and I said, Hey, what do you think about churches? You know, I'm looking for something that, you know, uh, biblically based on truth and, and, and what have you. And, uh, he said, Hey, remember that Bible study? I said, yeah. He said, well, they just started a church because now, now there's like 71 guys in our Bible study every Friday morning. Wow. And, um, and we started that, you know, the church church got started. And so I was there and I've been there ever since. And that's been about a year now. That's awesome. Um, so that's kind of the journey. So God has blessed you in business. Right. You again, we, we go back to you've been featured in Forbes, US News, World Report. I think you said the AARP magazine, is that right? Several others. Yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't like to toot your own horn. That's why I'm doing it. So what do you do with that? Like you're super successful, you know, uh God's blessed you financially. So oh great, this guy's gonna come in and teach us, oh, we gotta tithe or we gotta you know, occasionally give, what's your, what's your viewpoint on ministry in the marketplace and success from a kingdom perspective? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, and of course I would go back to what you just said. And so like when people are like, you know, should we tithe? And it's like, yes, you should. Absolutely. You should. Wait, isn't that an not. old Testament teaching though, Chris tithe? That's not in the new. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I heard that you can actually do away with the old Testament because, you know, Jesus came to fulfill the law. And I think the old Testament maybe isn't as relevant. I think, have you heard that? Right. I Unhitch <laughs> yourself from the old Testament. I read that in a book I threw out, but go ahead. Yeah, God help us, right? Um, 
Yeah, no, we, we, yes, you need to tithe. Um, and I could, I, I, I do try to talk about that because I think it puts a lot of pressure on pastors to talk about tithing and, and going back to even the Bible school days. And I remember telling you, um, that I feel like the Lord has put it on my heart for me to be the guy that funds things where mm-hmm. the, the pastor doesn't have to always come to the, the people in the church and say, Hey, you know, there's, there's 20 kids that can't go to, to camp. How are we going to fund that? And then, you know, me be able to say, and, and also talk to other influential leaders that God has left them, you know, financially to be able to say, let's, Hey, let's get this done where they don't have to, you know, create that whole kind of involuntary response of, Oh, you know, pastors asking for money again. And so, um, basically it's like, you know, kind of the Kings and priests wanting to carry out the vision that God put on the pastor's heart. And it's like, I just want to be standing up as a willing vessel to say, let me write the check. And so, um, definitely, uh, I like to talk about tithing because, uh, it takes that pressure off and people should be doing it. Um, if, if you call yourselves a Christian, you need to be tithing. But I have always kind of had the viewpoint that, you know, it's like from John 17, you know, what an intimate prayer that, that Jesus is praying to the Father. And it's all about knowing him and making him known. And so, you know, I talked to my kids about this and I was teaching a class at their homeschool co-op last year and kind of talking to them about this very same thing is, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to go open up your own business, if you're wanting to go run a coffee shop, if you're wanting to be a writer, if you're wanting to be whatever it is that you're wanting to do, is that really what we're here on this earth to do? It's just kind of like, all right, so I'm going to go to school, going to go to college, got to get into a good college. Then I'm going to meet my wife, hopefully. Then we're going to get married. We're going to have 2.5 kids. We're going to have a job that pays this. And then, boom, then, you know, we're going to get some grandkids. Then we, you know, maybe go on one vacation a year and then we die and that's it. Like, that's, that's what we're supposed to be about. Yeah, that's and in the Bible, right? It, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, and, and, uh, what's that new book? I think that was added last year. No, new um, anyone go ahead. <laughs> that's right. But you know, it's in knowing him and making him known. The question is, how can I know you Lord and make you known, uh, in whatever it is that I'm doing? Because realizing that whatever it is that I'm doing, that's not who I am. That's what I do. It's a part of what I do, but that is not who I am, who I am is is a king's kid who i am is a a member of the body of christ who i am is somebody that's going to help further your kingdom lord and how can i do that and so i think all of us as christians need to be asking ourselves man whatever i'm doing how is that knowing you and making you known and so that is what I try to do when I when I'm in my business or talking to other people is, you know, Lord, how am I doing that? How am I doing that? How do you do that? How do you like so when your clients come in and they're like, I'm planning my retirement and you're like, have you ever lied before? Is that like the plan? Is that what you do? <laughs> yeah, <I> just. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, you know, it's like I'm before. interviewing everybody to go, you know, are you worthy of telling you about this particular church right Right. Um, i understand you want to invest in this mutual fund what do you think about hell 
Like, is that what you do? Or <laughs> how do you bring the kingdom into that? Well, you know, I am direct. So sometimes it actually can go that way. <laughs> but I so want to be no, in that meeting. I, <laughs> you're welcome anytime. No, I, I think that um, really the Lord has, has uh, opened up these doors and has orchestrated um, situations where um, I really don't know how we've gotten into these conversations, but you know, somebody will say something and I will, I will say, Oh, huh? Yeah. How, how's that going? Oh, really? Like you're, you know, and, and so if I'm, I'm talking with a, a couple and they're maybe expressing to me about, you know, Hey, we need to get some estate planning done because, you know, my son and daughter, they're, they'll fight over this or whatever. And it's just kind of like, man, how do you, that's gotta be tough. Like, how do you handle that? And I think through these conversations, um, I think they're very kind of, it creates an empathic connection, you know, with someone and it just kind of sets the stage where it, it, it's just kind of open. And so it just, man, if that's an opening, I'm going to take it. And, and so, you know, there was a gentleman here, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, we, we started talking, we got on the discussion of, you know, where they're going to church and he was talking about, man, I really feel like there's a famine of the word of God and I can't seem to find a place to really get connected and fit in where just the word is taught, you know, and he, and he, this was what he was saying. He's like, I don't want to hear about, you know, the, the pastor's opinions. I don't want to hear about all these different things. I just want to hear what the Lord would want to say to the, the group of believers that are getting together. And I can't find that place. And mm. I said, well, I don't know if our place is, is, uh, you know, what you're looking for, if that's the Lord, you know, where the Lord will want you. But, man, why don't you come check out my Bible study? And so it, it opened up the, it opened up the door. And, it, and I'm not saying that, you know, the way that you do that is by inviting people to the church. You can do that. But I think, you know, in the Bible, we're, we're to be sent out, you know, we're, we're to be uh, witnesses to people and not necessarily use the church as our crutch, but that's a different topic. And I think that, you know, we were, um, you know, it just, the way that this conversation went and, Lo and behold, he he showed up on uh, at Bible study, and then he's like, "Well, hey, when's church? I'm, I'm going to come to church." And so, those kind of opportunities, I think that the Lord just opens up doors that, uh, and you just got to step through it sometimes. Wow, God's given you a lot of influence now, you know, financially in your city and your region, right? Because you're you're known. Um, you you have you have a business that's known in the in your city and region. Uh, you've experienced, you know natural and spiritual success. You've been married uh, almost as long as I have. I think you're a few months behind me, but, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, I was just, <clears throat> I don't want to say anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> you but, got me super curious now. Uh, <laughs> maybe off the air, but, um, <laughs> but uh, what, what is the challenge you would now give? Because you, you felt this brokenness over leaving this mega church saying, man, I'm asleep. You, you felt it in your business, like business isn't just for me. You know, it's not for my advance. It's not just for my own success. You know, wealth isn't for me. It's for the advancement of the kingdom, kings and priests, right? And, mm -hmm. and what would you say to people who are in the marketplace now, to pastors and leaders now, saying, you know, I'm just navigating, I'm just walking life. What is the charge and the challenge you would give them to be living out and living right now, especially in the culture we're in? 
Man, that is a loaded question. It's a great question, but it's a loaded question. Um, and let me also say this. Don't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, be careful now, Brian. You might actually get what you're, what you're asking for here. Um, <laughs> um, the first thing I would say is, and, you know, I, I've been in Bible studies and, and different uh, groups you know, kind of meetings with people before and they've said, you know, God really is calling me to be a missionary or God is calling me to do this and their family life is not where it needs to be. And they know it. And I've said to those individuals, you know, I might think you may need to rethink that kind of, what do you mean? It's like, well, if your family's messed up, I doubt that God is calling you to go to the mission field because your first line of, you know, your first mission field is your family. If you think that God doesn't have a heart for family, then you're not reading the Bible because everything throughout the Bible is family language. You know, uh, sons of God are, you know, angels referred to all throughout the, the Bible in the Old Testament, you know, with, with divine beings. He is the father. Jesus is the son. We are now brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to treat older men as fathers, older women as mothers. You know, if if you if you don't understand it, well, let me say it this way. You don't understand if your priorities are not family first, because our family is the closest representation to what we have understanding what God's economy is like in this earth period. We're to love our, our wives as, as he loved the church. I mean, it's just, there's so much family language. So, you know, I mean, that's great. that God's, God's calling someone to be a missionary or whatever, but man, you have a family and to know him and make him known to your family members, leading your kids so that they are being trained up in the way they should go. And they will not depart from that. That's a promise of God. And you've got to make him known. You have to live it out and be that example in your family and lead. And that is one of the reasons why I sat them down and said, I'm not going to be asleep anymore. I haven't been leading you. No longer. So that's the first thing that I tell people. Second, in knowing him and making him known is once you're know, making him known in your family, then you go out beyond that. How are you doing that in your work? How are you doing that with whatever you do on a daily basis? You know, I try to get a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars out of the bank every single month in hundreds. And I ask the Lord to just open up a door of somebody that I can bless and just hand them a hundred dollar bill. And it's, you know, it's, I've, I've done that at the gas station. You, the looks on people's faces are priceless. I mean, <laughs> so like, like what in the world are you doing right now? It's like, well, I'm, I'm giving this to you. Well, why? Well, just because I feel like that's what I should be doing. And I believe that, you know, Jesus died on the cross for me and I'm a Christian and I don't know how to get into your life to where I can, maybe be a blessing to you or to just whatever I need to do. And so I'm starting by giving you an a hundred dollar bill. Wow. And I mean, so that's look for opportunities to, to make him known outside of your family. And I would say those are the big things right there. Know him and make him known. you got to get in your word every single day. You know, I don't know if I should. Yeah. Well, no, I will. I will. I'll say this. All right. 
there is a problem when I saw a statistic the other day that 54% of Christians believe that gay marriage is okay. Mm. You are not in your Bible. You do not understand what God's heart is. You do not understand sin. You don't understand his redemption plan for us. And we need to. And that is a, that's a huge issue. And it's lies from the enemy coming in and distorting the truth so that we can remain asleep. Because if you and I are asleep, we are going to be, we're non-functioning for the kingdom. Mm. That's the danger of being asleep. There it is. There it is. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So speaking of how many, just to tie that back in with what you're saying, one of the things I'm thinking of is so many of us now, because of the relevant movement, because of, you know, that idea that we got to get back to cool. And, and, and the truth is we're trying to shake off religion and then we just became religious about not being religious. How do we, so many of us think, and, it, and they, 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 they teach this at church planting boot camps and conferences and in all the books we're reading now. They, we all think that successful people and the average person wants to go to a sexy, comfortable church, especially people like you, people who are who are wealthy and successful and they're good looking and all. They want to go to a big, cool church where they're comfortable and meets their needs. And you, you right. did the opposite. You left all that to go to a small church that like has you know needs help everywhere right and and doesn't have the rock star space and doesn't have all the all the tricks and stuff you left all that what would you say to those pastors and leaders who are thinking everybody wants a you know quote successful church yeah and um i would say that they need to be very careful uh, because they have a greater accountability on them on their lives um, because they are, they are there and God's put them in that place of authority and, and leadership to help further his kingdom. And they're, they're going to be judged. And that's not, that's not my place. That's God's place. But I, I'm, I'm, I am, I was going to say scared for that day for them, but I, I, I won't say it that way. It's just, I'm going to continue to pray for them. And, and here's, here's the issue. The issue is, is that, you know, if you have, I, I understand because everybody that I talk to, it's like, well, yeah, but they're getting people saved. They're getting people saved. Let me tell you something. You can judge success. If, if this is the way you want to go in your church, you can judge success by the amount of hands that were raised to accept Christ. But if they're just left and there's no discipleship, um, then you just have a bunch of babies in Christ running around and discipleship is not happening. And the reason they can focus on, on, on hands being raised is because that's easier to, to track than uh, discipleship. Discipleship mm-hmm. takes more work. Discipleship, they will be known by their fruit. Uh, how, do you, how do you qualify that or quantify that? Um, but I can, I can count, oh, yeah, there were 10 hands raised on the weekend. And here's the thing, you know, I had a conversation with a buddy the other day and they're like, yeah, but don't you think God's still moving in the, in those, in those churches, God's still doing things. And I, and my response was how, and they couldn't really tell me, but here's it. I'm not saying that God's not moving, but here's, here's what I am saying. 
just because because God is moving and stirring in the hearts of the individuals there and they're becoming saved, that is not justification for the model. Oof. Come on. Preach it. You, you, you know, if, if we're not about discipleship, then I guess we can really remove most of the, or the entire New Testament. God is about discipleship because we're, it's all about gaining more of him to further his kingdom and then the place that we're going to be in heaven. And it is, it's an eternity matter. And so if, again, if we can be asleep and we don't recognize these things, then we're not going to be functioning for the kingdom of God. And that is absolutely what Satan would want um, because he's, he's going to want to destroy everything that God is building hands down. And so, when you have these conversations with individuals and you say, okay, well, you know, how do you view things? How do you live? What do you do? You know, and, and right now I would say we're in a time in our culture that there's a huge divide. Um, and, and it's, it's, there's a lot of things that are happening that I would say are anti-biblical. And now what breaks my heart is I'm seeing these churches because they've been riding the line of culture for so long it's happening in their church and it's getting worse and worse. And so it's like, well, how do you, how do you think about this? Or how do you think about this? And it's like, wait a minute, that's, that's what you think. That's what you believe. But then they're always, they come back to, well, yeah, but, but God's still working at the church. I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I don't see how lives the fruit of those individuals are actually furthering the kingdom of God because they, they, because you're hearing a motivational message with five Bible verses or three to five Bible verses sprinkled in that doesn't, that's not life changing. The Bible says that we are going to be renewed by our mind by getting into the word daily. Mm. And, you know, we're not, you're not having a life that's changed if you're just hearing those three to five Bible verses on the weekend. Uh, that's not, that's not fruit at best. You can try and manufacture that fruit and that's not sustainable. Boom. Boom. You know, I was uh, the justification that, well, God uses it. Um, man, I, I can use a, I can use, I can use a gun. I can use a murder weapon. I can, you know, uh, me using it for good. Doesn't mean it's worth keeping. Um, you know, right. it's, you know, if, if that, if this was an ax that took out a whole bunch of people, you know what, it's just an ax, but take it down anyway. You know, even if I'm using it for good now, you know, um, mm-hmm. we look at the story, a lot of people use Balaam's donkey, but it's like, well, God used Balaam's donkey. And like, yeah, because Balaam was in disobedience. Not because yeah. uh, we always look at it as God can use anything. Right to wake us up, to get a hold of us, uh, sometimes to warn us. You know, I, I preached this week, Luke 21. Everybody's raving. They're telling Jesus, Jesus, look at this temple. Look at Herod's temple. This is something in Luke 21. And Jesus says, you know, this is all going to be torn down. But, you know, part of me, Jesus didn't address it, but I'm thinking, are you talking about the same like King Herod, the line that slaughtered a generation of children, of boys under the age of three? That's, that's who's, that's who's temple you're impressed by. You know, I, yeah. I think Jesus was like, yeah, um, I don't really care what this guy built, you know? <laughs> and he says as much, right? We, we yeah. have done this thing where 
we have somehow made it that our hearts don't matter if God is doing something. And, you know, and that is such a good point that you, that you just brought up. And, and I would say even to further that, look at, let's, let's like take this logic, play this logic out. So if we're going to say that, you know, yeah, but God, you know, God's moving in that, but God's working. You really just basically said, and I call this hiding behind the cross. You really just said that I cannot actually then call out anything that I believe is untruth or anti-biblical or anything. I can't speak into your life. We can't even have ironing sharpened ironing because I can't have a conversation with you that is challenging in any sort of way because God's working in you. You know, God's like using was, it. God's using it as a Christian's way is the Christian way of saying the ends justify the means. Exactly right. And we wouldn't think that way in our normal lives. I mean, here I am, you know, I make mistakes all the time. Yes, I want to I want to please the heart of God and I want to know him more and more all the time, but I make mistakes all the time. And so if we apply that light that logic to me, let's say that I'm out driving around or whatever and I end up cutting somebody off and, you know, throwing out obscene gestures or whatever the case may be and then somebody sees that and they come and talk to me and they go, "Whoa, man, did you guys see, you know, Chris what Chris did the other day or hey, I saw what you did the other day." you know, what's up with that? And I go, well, you know, but, but God, God's working in my life though. It's like, <laughs> that's right. God's that's, still using it. <laughs> it it's, it's, it's right. Yeah. I know. I, I know I did that gesture, but God used it. It's like, well, how? Yeah. Right. Which is again, goes, goes back to my question that I asked my buddy when he said, that. I was like, well, how, how is, how is he working? I just kind of, you know, more than just your, you know, your kind of like Christian, Christianese or your Christian phraseology answer for me, how, how do you believe that God is working in that scenario? And I just can't get on board with what the modern, the modern day church has turned into with, you know, let's, I think inviting people to church is a good thing, but it's also the the path of least resistance. It's basically saying, can I just be somebody that sits in the, in the, in the, in the church pew or sits in the chair and just, I'll, I'll just maybe you work up enough courage to bring that person to church. And there's so much more than that, you know, in, in the early church in Acts, I mean, it's like, where's the biblical model for this? And in, in, in the early church in Acts, they met from house to house. And in Acts chapter two, it says that the Lord added daily those who should be saved. Thousands of people were getting saved on a daily basis, and they met in houses. Yeah. So yeah. I have a hard time getting on board with. Well, we don't have to. We don't have to think about discipleship. We can walk the line of culture. We can say and virtually do anything we want because we're just really all about reaching people. I I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't see a biblical model for that. Mm. I know what I would say. And we can close with this. This has been phenomenal. I love everything you had to say, Chris. We close with this. To the Christian or the pastor or the leader out there who's in a church that they are, they're finally, they're kind of waking up, they're assessing, I'm really comfortable, but I'm not close to Jesus. Um, I'm 
I'm not hearing the being taught the word like I should. I'm not in the word like I should be. What would you tell them? Man, that's such a great question. I would say get into the word. The word is life. And when you get into the word every single day, you're exercising your spirit every single day. And, you know, when Jesus, Jesus ascended after, after the resurrection, he said, I'm going to leave someone, you know, greater than I. And he left the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. The, the issue is, is just like Elijah in the cave. He talks in a still small voice. And we have to seek him to find it and to hear his voice. And when we're in the word every day and we're running after the Lord, he will guide you and he will direct you and he will show you where you need to be and where you need to go. And that is the fruit of the spirit. You don't have to try and say, okay, here's your six action steps for you to get out of the church you're in, or here's the six action steps for me to go to be better, better for you, Lord. No, just get into the word. And organically, you'll be gaining Christ's nature. That's what Paul meant is for me to die is, is but, or, or for, for uh, I'm sorry, I had a mind blank, but for uh, me to live is Christ. He didn't say, he wasn't saying, okay, I'm actually Christ. He's living out Christ, living out because he's gaining his nature and the fruit of the spirit is, is guiding and directing them. So I would say, be in the word. Let the spirit lead you. Let the spirit guide you as you're just seeking him daily. Wow, that's so good. Man, thank you again so much, Chris. This was awesome. Ministry in the marketplace and beyond. Live the kingdom everywhere. Pursue Jesus with all you have. Be in the word. And most of all, pastors and leaders, when you've done all you know to do, stand.